from my American studies to working on American Idol to working in real estate, um, just seeing how people live their lives and uh, and and in culture in in this country. It's been sort of as unusual, strange journey. Hello and welcome to Here in LA at Water Village Edition. Today we sit down with Miles Krakow a native Californian, a real estate agent from the desert to the sea, a former digital czar at American Idol, and a man who loves to bury the lead. We talk real estate, earthquakes, ghosts, and the most life-changing kiss he ever had. So join us, won't you, with Miles in Atwater. Hey, everybody. I am in beautiful Atwater Village with Miles Krako, Krakow. Krako. Krako. Thank you for having me in your backyard. Thank you for inviting me <laughs> to my backyard. You have a pool and a hot tub in your backyard, Miles. We do. This is a dream. It is. It was a dream, and we achieved it. We were so lucky. Uh. Well, what do you mean lucky? Well, I mean, we never thought that we, first of all, we never thought we'd ever own a house. And we never thought that once we owned a house that we would be able to put a pool in it. The, the property is small, but somehow we did it. It, it. it doesn't look tight. It looks like it was meant to be here. Well, thank you. Um, it was, you know, mostly well designed with some flaws, like everything. Well, and, and the flaws are what makes things give character, right? Exactly. So, Miles, you are native Angelino. I am. What part of L.A. did you grow up in? Um, I was born, I'm sure you'll love this, I was born in the Scientology Center. Which one? In Hollywood, um, the big blue building. Do you know I live next door? I knew you lived in the area. <laughs> Who, what other famous people were born in that building? Uh, a lot of famous people, because it used to be Cedars of Lebanon, the first Jewish hospital in, in L.A. And so I, I can't tell you who else that is famous. I'm not famous, but who else? But I'm certain there were others. I heard Lucille Ball had oh, her really? children there. Okay. And, um, well, that type of celebrity. Uh -huh. It was it was the Hollywood place. Oh, I think um, I think Liza Minnelli was born there. Oh, really? Well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but again, this is something that I love about Native Angelinos. Very little impresses you people, <laughs> especially it's, when it comes to celebrity, right? It's true. Yes. You've seen it all, and you've hung out with a lot of celebrities when they were young. You Perhaps. knew their dads and moms. Yes. They picked them up from soccer. Yes. They're just like everybody else, right? They are. Maybe they more have... Or more or less. Maybe they have worse problems, because now they have to kind of follow in the, the footsteps of Mr. Minnelli and Judy Garland. Yes. Which, God help you with that, right? Yes, indeed. And so it's been a it's been a trial for poor Liza. Pretty much, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. So you're born in Hollywood. Born in Hollywood. Um, moved to the Valley. Uh, lived with my mom and dad, and later my sister in, in an apartment in Panorama City in time for the Silmar earthquake in 1971. And then my family bought a house in Northridge, and uh, <laughs> we lived there for a few years. And then my parents got divorced, and oh. uh, all good. And my mom took us to 
a one-bedroom apartment in uh, the flats of Beverly Hills so that uh, my sister and I could go to good schools. What a great mom. Good mom. So are you Gen X? Great mom. I don't know. What is what is Gen X? Well, how old are you? Ancient. Oh, um, I'm 55. Are you okay, younger uh, than me? Uh, I'm going to be 55. You're Gen X. No, yeah, I guess so. You, you don't study any of this stuff? No. You're a realtor. I am. If I was... Okay, when I first came to California and to L.A., I sold electronics in West L.A. at Federated Group. And the sales techniques that I learned there was learn everything you can about human nature, <laughs> be it astrology, be it what generation they're from, just so that you can maybe, maybe have a, a tiny bit of an advantage. A little bit of a connection. A little bit. And... It sounds like you don't you don't ascribe to that as a realtor. No, I do. I whenever I, as a as a, as a human being or as a realtor, uh, whenever I meet somebody, I do try to find some sort of connection. Yeah, you know, it's it's an important thing to connect with people so that people can have feel like they have something in common with you. Right. So Gen X, we're the generation that we're used to having our parents get divorced. A lot of our parents got divorced. And then we moved from their childhood homes. We had the latch key. Um, mom would work often. And we'd come home to an empty house. Mm -hmm. And we made do. We certainly did. In fact, I would say we thrived. <laughs> we did. We ride our bicycles everywhere. We did. We, um, you know, uh, here's some Girl Scout cookies. We, we went door to door selling crap yep. for whatever um, club we belonged to or Boy Scouts or any of that. Marching band, you know. And we did the things that I don't see the kids today doing. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know because I don't really have a lot of friends who have uh, children that are young. Um, but that may be the case. Well, I don't see kids riding bicycles. Not so much. Yeah. I would say actually in Atwater, more kids are riding bikes than you would think. I love to hear that. Okay, so you moved to... Beverly Hills. Would you call that the slums of Beverly Hills? I would not call it the slums. No. Good for you. Uh, you say the flats. So were you north of Wilshire? No, we were south of Wilshire. We were literally, when we first moved there, we were directly across the street from the elementary school. Um, How great was that? And the building's still there. It's in the same condition. It's a beautiful little, you know, like probably six unit, um, you know, well kept up. Great. Much more expensive than it was when we went there, when yeah. we lived there. But it's, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that like 50% of the people who live in Beverly Hills live in apartments. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. And I worked there for years. Yeah. Huh. So, okay. So did you go to Beverly Hills High? I did. What's the mascot of Beverly? Um, the Norman, which is ironically my dad's name. How about that? Yeah. Okay, so... The Norman, sorry. Well, like Norman Saxon. You're right. Would you say that the average Norman um, <laughs> also lived in an apartment? Uh, no, I'd say it was probably split. Right. Yeah, split evenly. I mean, they're like n normal, quote-unquote, houses um, south of Santa Monica and south of Wilshire. Mm -hmm. And then there's like extraordinary houses north of Santa Monica. I recently finished uh, Lenny Kravitz's book. He went to Beverly around the same time. Yeah. Did he go exactly at the same time? No. Were there any other famous people that um, were in your class? 
Nicholas, not my class, but around the same time as Nicholas Cage and David Schwimmer and mm, uh, Jolie Fisher and uh, people like that. Right. Uh, but none of them were famous at the time, right? No. So everybody was kind of on equal footing. It was like every other high school, right? Yeah. The jocks maybe had a little bit more popularity than... Probably not at Beverly High. Even so? Yeah, really? Yeah. Who were the most popular kids then? Um, uh, hard to say. You know, probably just the be the better looking ones. The cute kids. Yeah. Is it true that at that school, your um, basketball court turned into a swimming pool? Yes. <laughs> did and you ever swim in that swimming pool? I did, yeah. Did was it great? Yeah, it was fine. Heavily chlorinated. That was the... That was the you know, uh, vocation for It's a Wonderful Life. Um, so there's a scene in It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart where the basketball court opens up to a swimming pool. That's where they shot it. I had no idea that was shot there. Yeah. Uh, were they drilling for oil at Beverly back then? Uh, they were, and it caused a lot of um, people to get cancer. Students? Yes, students, teachers. I know several people that did get cancer. I know people who died from cancer, um, and it's likely a result of the oil drilling that happened in the, in the, um, on the field for the uh, gym. Wow. So, you know, people were running around it, like right next to it. Right. So, you know, of course it's toxic. And then they ended up um, building kind of a cute little derrick around it. Right. To camouflage it. Right. Which I think did a pretty good job. Yeah. Because anytime I would point it out to out-of-towners, they would say, that can't be an oil rig. And I was like, you'd be surprised how many oil rigs there are in L.A. Yeah. And Apparently, usually in poor areas. So this was an exception. It was. Yeah. Right. Wow. When did they discover that people were getting cancer because of that? Um, it became, if you Google it, you can see that there, were, I, I think there was a class action lawsuit. I don't know if anything came of it, but um, I think, you know, people started realizing in the uh, 90s and aughts. Were, were you terrified? No, not at all. We weren't afraid at all. I mean, we never even considered it. And uh, though I did have a friend who had brothers who, you know, all two of them had the same kind of sort of rare cancer that is very unusual. Um, they didn't they didn't pass away from it. But um, and a lot of other kids um, had similar cancers. Wow. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. I've never heard that before. Yep. Okay. So you graduate from Beverly. Yeah. Cancer free. God bless. Yes. By the way, are you a religious man? No. Not at all. Have you always been like this? Yes. Atheist, would you call yourself? I would say agnostic. Agnostic? I think you're my first agnostic on, the, right. on the podcast. There you go. That's awesome. So you, um, you're in high school at Beverly. Was college always something that you knew you were going to go to? Uh, it's something I hoped I would go to. It, it, does it run in the family, though? Is it normal? Um, for my dad family? went to college. Uh, his sister went to college. My mom uh, did not go. She went to, she started at UCLA, and then, um, you know, she, she married very young. And so, you know, that wasn't something that was going to be doable with kids. Right. So, um so some, yeah, so my, you know, some one half of the grandparents went to college, the other half did not. Okay. 
Where'd you go to college? I went to Brandeis University in Boston, outside of Boston. What did you study? American studies. What's American studies? So, so sort of like a mixture of American history and culture. So. Because you wanted to. It was the closest thing at Brandeis that uh, would focus on entertainment media. I was thinking I would, uh, my stepfather and my mother were TV writers. Oh. And I thought I would uh, eventually become uh, something in entertainment. See, this is the problem with you soft-spoken people. <laughs> you you bury the lead. <laughs> your mom and your stepdad were TV writers. They were. What TV shows? Um, well, my stepfather, uh, he was a good bit older than my mother, uh, and so he wrote for like you know, um, really landmark variety shows beginning in the fifties and sixties. Ernie Kovac, Steve Allen. What? Um, Carol Burnett. One of my favorite all-time shows? Get Smart. Um, Love Boat. No! Yes. You love all these shows too, right? I do. Your stepdad wrote for Love Boat. Yes. Was he a funny guy? Oh, he was a very funny guy. Were you glad that your mom married this man? Um, they never technically got married, but I was super glad that um, uh, that he became our stepfather. Um, I don't know, de facto, in facto, whatever. Did he embrace you guys as... He did, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. The Carol Burnett show? Yeah. You didn't live in that apartment for too long if he's writing for the Carol Burnett show, um, right? No, it's, yeah, it'd be, you know, we lived there for a couple of years, then we lived with my father and his wife for a little bit of time, and then we moved back with my mother and, and uh, who, the man who became our stepfather. And we grew up there. In a nice house. In a house. Are, are you just this humble house. or are you embarrassed to No, I'm not, to say I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed, nor am I humble. I mean, it was just a normal house. It was like three bedrooms, two baths, and, you know. In Beverly Hills? Yeah. Today, how much is that house going for, Mr. Real Estate Man? Um, three to four million dollars. <laughs> okay. So, but they sold it in the 90s for like $500,000 or less because they were getting divorced. So, they, it was a bad time to sell. Doesn't that just suck? It does. Sip of wine. That just, that would just, ugh, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, you know. I mean, you do the best you can at the time. Right. Everybody does. You can't time anything. And you can't see the future. No. I interviewed a guy yesterday, a finance guy, who swears he can tell the future. He's talking about Bitcoin. Are you thinking about Bitcoin at all? Not at all. I, I don't think a lot of people are. No. But this guy is. And, and I asked him about real estate because I knew I was going to interview you today. And um, and he says he doesn't know about that, though, that real estate is something that you really just roll the dice. But it never seems to really go long down for long. No. In, in California, the long term um, uh, sort of trend is that real estate prices increase um, every 10 or 12 years. There might be a cycle of going down a little bit. Um, but if you hold on to your property, you're going to. Uh, you're going to make money, most likely. I mean, of course, we live in the hellscape that is California. So, you know, anything could happen. You know, like the earth can open up underneath us again. Uh, or there could be a raging fire across the state. Or, any, you know, anything could possibly happen. Um, so there's, there's nothing that's not uh, risk-free.
it about the 20s and LA? Because I feel like there's still a lot of buildings. My apartment that I'm in now is from the 20s. Yeah. It seems like the 20s was a renaissance almost for LA architecture and housing. Well, I think that was the, the beginning of one of the biggest booms for the city is like the city's really started growing exponentially. And so, and developing, um, a lot of neighborhoods were developed um, based on the streetcar lines and were developed by the, the, the owners of the streetcars around the streetcar lines. Uh, it was all, those streetcars were, were built as a real estate um, um, sort of um, proposition. I never knew that. Yeah. They weren't city run? No, they were private. Interesting. Yeah. And so all those owners of the different, like the red line and the yellow line, or the red red car, yellow cars, uh, like Henry Huntington, I believe, and uh, and somebody else, um, they were all real estate magnets. You know, they they were building properties around the lines. Um, and so a lot of people think that Los Angeles was developed around the freeway, uh, but in reality, Greater Los Angeles was developed around the streetcar lines. That's awesome. Which were ripped out, of course, in the fifties. Yes. Yes. Um... But I also, back to these 20s homes though. Yes, they were, for whatever reason they were built, they're built to last. They and, were. And they've they've survived a hundred years now. Yeah. I've got a picture of a bathroom that I think is the prototypical Los Angeles bathroom from the 20s. Pink, green. Yep. Pink or green yep. with this incredible tile. Uh -huh. I'll put this up on our um, website. Beautiful. We had one uh -huh. in Atwater. I haven't seen it any in any other city. Um, at least not to the number yeah, that I see yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. If if and I would love to be this person one day. I'd love to just knock on people's houses and just <laughs> can I see your bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> but I bet you, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. You might have a bathroom like this that's just so beautifully tiled. Yeah, and and that that walk-in shower that is is like so elegant yeah and um sometimes you'll end up at a fancy hotel and they've got one of these that in a modern building and you're like oh this guy also saw what i saw in LA. yeah as you sell houses in la i would imagine buyers would love this kind of bathroom right? um a lot of buyers do you know when i show houses that have bathrooms like that i love those bathrooms um they're you know, spectacularly colorful and, and beautiful and ornate for their time and, you know, comforting and, you know, just historic because they've lasted for Los Angeles at least 100 years. Yeah. So. Are there any other elements to a traditional L.A. home that look like something like that? Um, hmm. uh, a lot of uh, bachelor fireplaces, tile fireplaces, fireplaces. Yes. Um, a lot of... Um, Sotillo tile. Sotillo tile. Sotillo, yeah. Is that what this is right here? Yeah. Which which is, um, is it the color that makes it Sotillo? Um, I think it's actually um, the material. It's, um, I, I don't know what it's exactly made of, but it is usually, my understanding is that it's made by hand and then set out in the sun to dry. And so oftentimes in each of the tiles, you'll find like, bird tracks and snake <laughs> tracks and so forth. Um, and you can see in my backyard, there are a few tiles that do have that. Wow. Um, okay, so this color is kind of like a, a reddish burnish. Um, 
you know, a Georgia clay kind of a color. Yeah. And looking closer to it, I do see little markings and indentations. Yeah, and you would see more if you if you go back that way. Um, by the pool. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so you you go to Brandeis, you get your degree, because you want to, because because you like entertainment, because your folks are part of it. Yeah. Did you have aspirations for writing for Carol Burnett too? Uh, well, it was long after Carol Burnett, but uh, I did have aspirations for writing. I wrote, um, at some point, I did write a few spec scripts by myself or with a partner, and um, you know, and it just turned out that you know what, this is not going to work for me. You know, I don't have the um, the persistence uh, in terms of my writing to sort of go down that path. Did you keep a diary? Um, I had I kept journals for a while, you know, in my youth. So maybe you were. Are you? Do you consider yourself a writer now? Um, I think you know. Um, yeah, I would consider myself a writer. I, I think you know most people that express themselves express themselves uh are are writers in, in by heart what made you move back to la um i was living in boston and um i had been working at um the christian science monitor had started a cable channel um and it was supposed to be a, a rival to cnn and they dumped a lot of money into it and i was working in the newsroom because i was also interested in journalism and uh uh, after about eight months, they decided that it was not going to work out. And um, they basically laid off everybody, gave everybody like a year of severance. Um, nice. Uh, they're a church, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, Are they really a church? Yeah, Christian Science Church. Yeah, founded huh. by Mary Baker Eddy. Um, don't, doesn't believe in medicine. Um, and so... Uh, and so the severance was like, they're just paying us weekly for an entire year. So I stayed for another year. I could use my office and blah, blah, blah. And I was writing then at that time. And then I realized that, you know, if I really wanted to work in entertainment, I had to move to New York or L.A. So why not back to L.A.? You were done with the East Coast. Uh, I was done with Boston, even though Boston is, if I could live anywhere else in America, it would be Boston. It would be. Yeah. I've only heard bad things about Boston. No, I had, you know, I had a great experience in Boston. I, I have wonderful friends. I had a great time at school. And, uh, you know, I, I became a great fan of, you know, um, public transportation and walking in cities and parks and all that. And so it really um, shaped who I am. I feel like a lot of people do a disservice to themselves when they stay in the neighborhood or in the even the state that they grew up in. I agree. And I really admire people who are able to leave this tropical wonderland of LA. You you left the tropical wonderland of Chicago. <laughs> the day I could. <laughs> <laughs> I was gone. Well, I mean, part of it was I came out here uh, senior year of my high school uh, year to see the Rose Bowl. And it was kind of like this. It was like 70 degrees in January. And I was like, I ain't coming back. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, I'm definitely coming back, I should say. Um, but you went into the cold. How did you how did you deal? With I the loved cold? every second of it. Did you really? Yeah, I just loved the, the four seasons. I loved the first time it snowed. I loved my first blizzard, you know, <laughs> and to go through like a winter and then like have spring. And it's like absolutely stunningly beautiful. Yes. You know, it's wonderful. Uh, can we talk about your husband? 
Sure. You met him in Boston. We met in Boston, yeah. One of the things that I heard about Boston is they're racist and they are narrow-minded. Uh, they were a bit, a bit more back then. They're more open-minded now. When did you guys get married? Um, we've been together since 1990, um, and we got married in 2008, just before Proposition 8 was ratified. Before it was ratified? Yeah. What, 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 what? You couldn't wait? No, no. Proposition 8 was the one that said you couldn't get married. Oh, so as yeah. soon as it became legal. Yes. You were so, right So, well, you know, so it got became legal in, I think, April of 2008, and... We went to a rally in West Hollywood, and I was working at Fox at the time. And um, I went, before we met the rally, I went to the Century City Mall, and I went to Tiffany's, and I bought two engagement rings. Look at you. And so, at the rally, I asked him to marry me. What? Yeah. Did he know that you were probably No, no. It was a total surprise. Complete surprise. Were you nervous? No. You knew, you knew you guys were meant for each other forever. Just a matter of time <laughs> that you were going to get married? Yes. Well, no, we never even planned to get married. It was never even uh, a thought in our heads, um, ever. Because it was it was Not illegal. even, right. No, I mean, when I came out in the 1990s, I never even thought that there would ever be a possibility. No. What brought along this change in America, do you think? I think people just became uh, more and more aware of, um, you know, their gay and lesbian and trans brothers and sisters and was like, yeah, that's they're just like us. Yeah. And so, and, and you know, like, uh, then various legal cases happened and, um, and judges over and over again were like, yeah, I think, you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't have the same right. And you know what? We got married, and like instantly, we got discounts on everything. Like what? Like insurance, like oh. car insurance, homeowners insurance. And I was like, this was something that we didn't have. You didn't know this was no, coming? No, not at all. And then, of course, you know, tax benefits and all that. So I was like, yeah. So without the ability to get married, you know, gay and lesbian and trans people wouldn't have the same benefits that straight people have. Yeah. It's pretty clear. And again, the courts were like, we're not we're supposed to be discriminatory in the United States. Sorry, politicians. Yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah. When you saw the White House, uh, the Obama White House in those colors, did it mean as much to you as I hope it did? Yeah, it was super meaningful. You know, it was, you know, nobody had ever done anything like that before. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, just, you know, it's. Yeah. You're tearing up a little. Not tearing up. It's emotional. Yeah. You know, it should be emotional. When, 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 a, when a person has been discriminated in a terrible way for no good reason, there's no good reason for that, and then finally it's lifted, you should feel emotional. Yeah, it's lifted only partially, though, right? It's only lifted partially for you. It's only lifted partially for Asian Americans. It's, there's still, you know, discrimination across the board everywhere. Because right now we are, for, for the people in the future, right now... If um, there are any, yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, there will, you know, see, I believe in, in God enough for both of us. <laughs> so I think that that guy wants, wants to see more chapters of this book. Right now, there's a black woman applying for the job of Supreme Court justice. She's wonderful. And she's totally qualified. Yeah. But to your point, you're saying if she was uh, a lesbian woman, she probably wouldn't even be considered today. Probably not. Yeah. So we do have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And the fact that she's the first African-American woman, first black woman to be considered for the Supreme Court in 2022. After 115 judges. Yeah. That's remarkable. It is. Yeah. It is. You know, and, and no Asians, no, right. you know, there's <laughs> it's nothing. No, no out gays, nothing. You know, only like a handful of women. How many, three? how many agnostics? Probably none. I'm sure none. Well, none who are out. Right. Because <laughs> we all know that the world is a little bit political. And some of the things that are dear to us, if we're smart, we just keep them to ourselves, right? Yeah. There's a, there was a, uh, an older Latina lady, a grandma, uh-huh. sitting under some of her fruit trees. Yeah. Oh, right down the street? Yeah. Yeah. She sometimes sits in our driveway. So. I mean, that's who I want to live near. Yeah. She lives with her daughter and her daughter's wife or girlfriend. Oh. Yeah. How about that? Did you hear my uh, interview with Dalila? Uh, mm-hmm. who is also a Latina. No. Who came out to her grandma and her, and, or to her mom, and her mom screamed so loud that the grandma said, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and when she told her, the grandma shut the door and said, I can't talk to you right now. I'm going to fight you. Wow. No. <laughs> wow. I imagine your parents were probably more open to that, being in the Hollywood community. Yeah, they were. I mean, uh, yeah, they were. They were. If I can ask. Yeah. A lot of times when I hear stories about coming out, the parents said we always knew. Uh, no, they did not know. That's what she said, too. Yeah. Did you have girlfriends well, as, as a high schooler? Uh, no, I had, uh, like, I, no, not really in high school, but I did in college. And then I was, you know, it just wasn't, you know, something that was, you know, super exciting to me and then like I kissed a boy and I was like wow well that's completely different your first boy kiss was in college after college after yeah so this handsome man you didn't mean till after yeah uh, he wasn't even yeah he was he was he was a few months after college but there was you know we, we didn't start going out until like another six months your first kiss was a girl was that not in high school? Yeah, that was in high school. Didn't you feel great? Yeah, I felt great. But it was more... But a kiss with a boy was a hundred times greater. hundred times? A thousand times greater. A thousand? Yes. This is true. And that's when you just knew? Yep, just like that. Who made the first move? Um, it was a friend of mine from college, and he was visiting... And uh, he was out and he kind of just said, we were talking about it. And I was like, I'm just so nervous and scared and blah, blah, blah. And he dragged me to the bathroom of a 
restaurant in Harvard Square, and he just kissed me, and I was like, wow, okay. Well, that's different. I love these stories. Yeah. And I'm nervous asking because it's incredibly personal. Yeah. But a straight man would never know what this is. No. You know? And, you know, in Santa Barbara, we were wild. We kissed boys. Uh Uh-huh. But it was the same reason, same way, I guess, women kiss each other at bars in front of guys. Mm. Mm -hmm. You do it because I can do anything. Yeah. So you didn't feel like any additional... There were no butterflies. Yeah. In fact... I, I learned about stubble. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I should probably shave more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you feel a little yeah, stubble? Yeah, oh, no. First I time? was like, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> so, okay, so this happens after college. There's butterflies. Uh huh. And you say to yourself, I say, uh, I am, well, I say to myself, because, you know, this is the 90s, I say, well, I think I'm definitely bisexual. Because you still had feelings for women. Well, I thought I did. Interesting. And then, you know, things things transpired and you're like, oh, okay. I actually, no, I think I'm gay. Wow. And that's okay. Of course. But remember, this is like early 90s, like 1990, and people were dropping dead of AIDS around me. Right. And so it's like a very scary time to say... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gay and this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, oh, well, let's talk about real estate. When, when did you sell that first house behind you? I sold that first house in 2016. Kind of recently. Yeah. I, I worked in entertainment for 20 years. I did. What were you doing at Fox? Um, I was, um, most of the time I was, um, the director of digital content and marketing for American Idol. What? Did I bury the lead again? <laughs> do, you, do you just not like to tell people things that other people would brag about? It was a long time ago. I don't, I don't, when, I don't, that's not something I do anymore. So it's not a big story to me. To you maybe, but wasn't that the most popular show? It was, yeah. On television. It was. In a very long time. It was post the cable blow up because when your your stepdad was writing Love Boat and Carol Burnett, there's only three channels. Right. So you could get 30 million people to watch a Love Boat episode. Right. <laughs> With Charo on it. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> because there wasn't a lot of choices. No. I mean, I had a huge afro back then and my mom would sit me under the dryer like the old barber, or the, the old uh, beauty salon. uh, uh Dryer because it would take a half hour <laughs> to dry my big old afro, and we'd watch the Love Boat and we watch um, <laughs> Fantasy Island, uh-huh. and then on Sundays we watch Carol Burnett together. Wow! And it was it was a very nice bonding thing, and they were great shows. They were. I mean, Carol Burnett was live. No, no, it wasn't live. No. Well, it might, might her have monologue been, parts were. It might have been shot live, but it wasn't. It didn't didn't broadcast live. See, I've learned something. Those skits were, were, they did a couple takes for those skits? Um, I don't know how, yes, probably. Huh. Um, but, okay. Um, but what? the show was, wasn't produced live, no. Still fantastic shows. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic shows. Yes. Um, American Idol shows up and sweeps 
sweeps the world. Yes. With amateur singers. Yes. Were you there from the beginning? Um, no, I started in like um, season three. Season three for. Do you remember who uh, the American Idol was of season three? Fantasia. Look at you. What a great singer. What a great singer. Again, as a black person, when we would see the black girls get knocked out right away because part of it was voting mm -hmm. and and I imagine it was and American racism, right? Well, it was white audiences. And so maybe they didn't appreciate the black singers, <laughs> the Jennifer Hudson's. <laughs> she was amazing. Do you remember what season she was in? I think she was the same season as Fantasia. Oh, Fantasia knocked her out? Yeah. Wow. So again, look at all this talent you got. Right? I have some. Well, I'm saying the show. Yes. Uh, Where's attracting, <laughs> attracting yes. Fantasia oh, no, and no, Jennifer Hudson. Huge, huge. Oscar winning Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Huge talent. And so what was your role as digital content person? Um, so I sort of ran the day to day of the website and and when social me media became something, then social media. Um and uh you know, I had people above me, obviously, and I had people below me, and we worked very, very closely with production and and also with the, the network. We were part of the network, and so um, it was mostly just you know, just keeping the website going and interesting and and uh, driving viewership. Yeah. Okay, I don't mean this in in a disparaging way. I think making the website for American Idol kind of does itself. You got no. all the kids. You do a feature on all the kids. Yeah. You have full access to them. Anything that they that you Not want. Not really, because there are a lot of um, uh, restrictions. What kind of restrictions? Uh, it, broadcast standards and uh, and and fairness restrictions. So if you if you um, interview one of the contestants, you have to interview all the contestants. Right. And that's it. You know the average length of time has to be the same and you that's know good. it has to be all sort of like positive and fair and you know and still be real because it is kind of a game show it is it is a game show and that's why you know but it's a popularity game show right which is why the people the producers and the sh network couldn't show any favor to any of the contestants they're right. extremely careful about that um uh god i got so many questions now i went to the finale at the uh, at LA, LA Live, when Kiss was there, I think Adam Lambert. That was his year. Okay. Were you there at all? I was probably. Yeah. I'd never seen Kiss before, and I'd obviously never seen Adam Lambert before. But he uh -huh. he seemed even then like he was a true rock star. Yeah, he's he's definitely a, a super talented. Would you go to the performances at the Kodak? Um, occasionally. You know, I mean, th those were the finales. And so sometimes I would go, sometimes I'd be working. And so, you know, it just depended. But isn't that part of your gig, though? Don't you want to know? Oh, God. I prepare everybody for the Adam Lambert stuff. Prepare for um, Chikizi. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean that's kind. Of, it's fun. It's fun research, but it's, it's oh, still it is. research, right? It's totally fun, but um, but you know, there's still work to do back at the lot, back at the studio, and so you have people on the team who are there, and um, you know, you can't be at in every place at all, you know, at the same time. Because your ratings were so high, 
was there more pressure on you guys or was there more budget and therefore less pressure because you could hire more people? No. I mean, there was a lot of pressure. It was a very, you know, it was, there was a great deal of pressure because you had to, you, you, you couldn't make a mistake. Really? Yeah. Because every, all the suits were watching this show. All yeah. All, all eyes on. And so, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, like I wasn't involved in the production of the show, but yes, the show is very important, extremely important. And they had to get it right. Um, but the website had to be just as, you know, as, as close to spot on as possible without any, um, unfairness and, uh, and any, you know, mistakes, but you know, everyone's human. So that, that was your number one objective. Let's not be un unfair. Right. My number well, one... actually, you know, the number one objective was to, you know, market the show and provide an extension of the show into the digital space and also at the same time be um, completely fair. Right. I feel like when you're working for a big organization and you're there late at night and you're grinding and grinding and, hey, we've been number one for five years and they're like, okay, but can you do it on the sixth? For who? Right. Why am I doing this? Yeah. Did you feel the same way? I did. I was like, why am I, you know, using my skills for something that is, you know, unimportant and inessential? Um, so I, I television. Thought, yes, exactly. Is that how you feel about television today? Um, I mean, there's some there's some good programs, but I, you know, I don't think I watch any network TV. Um, all of it is whatever is streaming. Yeah. Um, and uh, I left Fox, and I took some time off and then I worked for myself as a consultant. I thought I would use the skills that I had learned um, to work with small businesses and nonprofits. And I did that for a year and it was emotionally very satisfying, satisfying, but um, uh, financially less satisfying. Right. Murder houses. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple murder houses in Los Feliz. Mm -hmm. I think one is still unsold. Wouldn't you love to sell one of these murder houses? Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't, you know, no. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Would I sell one? Yes. Um, do you believe in ghosts? Yes. You do believe in ghosts? I do believe in ghosts, yes. Have you, have you felt presence in yes. some of these houses? Uh-huh. Yeah. I've ha we've had a ghost in our house. In this house? Yeah, we've had, yeah. Do you know its name? No, um, it was years and years ago and I just woke up and you know, there she was. You saw her? Yeah. What'd she look like? I, it was so long ago, I couldn't even tell you. You forgot what the ghost at the end of your bed looked like? Yeah. Did it look like a person that was yeah, kind of fuzzy? It looked like a person who was fuzzy. There was another time we had, the last place we lived in in Hollywood was a townhouse, also super old, um, Spanish. And, um, you know, I was asleep and I think we were both asleep upstairs and, um, one of us heard literally somebody walking up the stairs and went to go look and there was nobody there and no shared walls, no nothing. And it was clearly some, somebody, something walked up the stairs and then wasn't there. If I was, if I was filthy rich mm -hmm. and younger. I might want a murder house because I could probably get a good deal on it, right? Maybe. I mean, they're, they're still trying to sell it at list price. 
Yeah. I mean, it depends on when the murder happened and how horrible it was. I feel like these Los Feliz murders happened decades ago, and they can't sell them. Um, well, then they're probably overpriced. You know, if you can't sell a house in this market, right. it's overpriced for some reason. Maybe it's overpriced because it's a murder house. Maybe it's overpriced because it has a sewer line that's broken. And so you just can't cut a deal with the guy and say... Well, you know, it's just like um, just like any other business. There are rational people and irrational people. There you go. Yeah. So people will sit irrationally on a house, pay all that property tax. Yeah. I mean, it depends how long they've had the property. They have had the property for 50 years and their property tax is small. And so if they're oh. convinced their house is worth X amount and they won't settle for anything less irrationally, then there's nothing you can do. Meanwhile, the value of California real estate is going up. So in a strange way, they're they're making money by being irrational. At some point, yeah. But I mean, they if they do want to sell it, they have to sell it for whatever the market says the value is. Right. The market will always determine the value of the property. Yes, as we saw from the one. <laughs> exactly. People are like, forget you. Yeah. This, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a great house if that's what you want. Yeah. If you want the biggest house in town, but it's not worth that. No, it was not worth it. I feel like it would be a great orphanage. <laughs> it would be a great orphanage. Be a great homeless center. Yes. Homeless housing. Okay, so Atwater, a place that I love. I love Atwater so love. much. Love. Yes. I feel like you're central. So central, very close to Silver Lake and Los Feliz and Highland Park and Eagle Rock and Glendale and downtown. Not central to the west side. Right. Boo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, which only sucked if you worked at Fox. Which is why my hair is gray. <laughs> you lived in Atwater and you commuted to Fox? Yeah. What was your what was your route? Uh, I would go west until I hit traffic and then south and then west and south and west and south and west. But no freeways though, right? No freeways. And then all side streets. Yeah. And then just reverse course. Now, my biggest problem with Atwater trying to go south is that stupid Trader Joe's. Oh, it's awful. I don't want to say stupid because I like the Trader Joe's. Mm -hmm. And I was just, just the other day. Got great, like, two-day-old bananas <laughs> for, like, 15 cents a pound. Or maybe 15 cents each. But that bottleneck over there is oh, ridiculous. Yeah. In fact, I thought it was going to make me late for this. Yeah. No, it's awful. If you're coming that way from on Hyperion, never be in the right lane. Right. But, but then it's smooth sailing. Yeah. On either side. Is that the only traffic issue about getting in and out of Atterwater? Um, it's also hard on Fletcher, you know, like right by Whole Foods and all that. Yeah. Um, Do you like that Whole Foods? I've never, I've never been a huge Whole Foods fan. Yeah. There was a Ralph's there for a long time. Right. Um, I was a big Ralph's fan. but I asked about that Whole Foods because it's the Whole Foods 365. They changed. They're back to Whole Foods now. Oh, it's a normal Whole Foods yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. Is that better? It's still, you know, the parking lot is a disaster. So don't go there often. I'd rather go to Trader Joe's or right or Vaughn's or someplace. this is uh, 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 Glendale Boulevard. Yeah. 
Yeah. The main drag of Atwater Village is, is Glendale, and then what's the other one where the Costco is? Los Feliz. Los Feliz. Two great streets, right? Yeah. Also, Atwater is kind of a walkable place. Totally walkable. Definitely a bicycle rideable. Yeah, it is bicycle rideable, yeah. Uh, your Club Teehee has yeah. been renovated. It has. By the way, it's super close to um, the bike path on the LA River that takes you to Griff Park and will eventually connect all the way to Long Beach. Are, are you a bicyclist? Um, we used to cycle on the river. Now there's a little bit too much of a homeless issue on the river. Still? Yeah. Okay. Um, and also we got, you know, COVID lazy and fat, so. <laughs> we didn't. No, we did. It's okay. Um. Um, but yes, totally walkable. One of the beautiful things about Atwater is that you can, and I do this every day, walk up to Glendale um, and go to any of the shops or restaurants or cafes and see your neighbors and talk to your neighbors on your way up and enjoy the walk back. And especially on weekends, people are out in their yards with the kids and you just say hello. And it's a very, it's very Mayberry in um, uh, a more diverse way. I feel like it has gentrified since the Northridge quake a it little has. bit. Oh, no, tremendously. Like you, you would say tremendously. Yeah. We moved here in 1999, and it was, um, it was families have been here, and it's still there, and a lot of families have been here for like 40 or 50 years. Mm. Um, but there's a lot, there's been a huge influx of more prosperous people um, in the neighborhood. That's true. And so, like, at some point, we were at our local spot, and we looked around, and we were like, where did all these rich people come from? <laughs> um, but I mean, it's still very diverse. It has a great farmer's market on Sundays. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a very sort of still um, broad spectrum of um, classes and races and sexualities. And uh, it's, it's a lovely neighborhood. Is it easier as a gay man to sell homes to other gay people compared to straight agents? No. What? Surprisingly, I have not had a lot of gay clients. I'm like, I don't know how it's not happened. I'm like, you know, it just hasn't, you know, like, I did take a couple uh, yesterday to see a place, the mid-century modern, but I'm like, what is it about? What? How am I not connecting with gay people? Honestly, like, where did I go wrong? I would imagine you would prefer to have a gay couple, No, right? I like all... You wouldn't? You know, I, my preference is to have nice people. Of course, but still. No, I like, you Even know, though I'm light-skinned, I'd rather have black people to stoke, or Chicagoans or Cub fans to stoke, <laughs> yeah. or gauchos. Yeah. You're like, whoever. No, I like, you know, I only want to help... I, I'll help everybody, right? But I love helping people who are nice and authentic, right? And so if they're like that, you know, um, and they're just super wonderful and, and, and grateful and, you know, that's it. It's like, that's all there is. It's like whether they're gay or straight doesn't matter. Whether they're black or white or Asian doesn't matter. Um, it just doesn't matter. I just want them to be nice people. Breeders are welcome. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll put that on my card. <laughs> Thanks. Miles, thank you so much for everything. Thank you, Tony. And, uh, and continued good luck with your If people podcast. want to buy and sell houses through you, how do they reach you? Uh, they can find me on uh, Instagram, Miles Krako, C-R-A-K-O-W, on Instagram. It's probably L.A. Real Estate by Miles or something, but uh, yeah, that's it. 
Awesome. Uh, I do have a website, but it's changing, so. Well, know. I'll link it to the website. Okay. Come to hereinla.com, everybody, and, and you too can buy and sell your house through Miles. Thank you, Tony. All right. All right. Cheers. How great was Miles? You know who we'd go to Tiffany's for and propose in the middle of WeHo? Our Patreon. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's the new Chikizi CD. Here's a gift card for the Olive Garden. Here's a set of brakes so you can drive into the valley all summer and not die. Every donation you hand over helps keep this same project a-rolling. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinky, Ben Welsh, Henry Furman, Jen Adams, The Lonely Chair, Trevor Wilson, and Bree Wild. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. That's H-E-A-R in LA. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you have to do is pay Palace $25 or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website that Mark Johnson is building with his bare hands forever. You'll also be given the number to denote how early you got in to make this dream come alive. For example, Angelino number one is Allie Miller. Number two, George Wright. Three, Rita Joanne. Four, Jason Sutter. Five, Grant Houghton. Six, Rob Baker. Seven, Kev Chang. And eight is Brenda Garcia. Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you just blew your wad on a Hollywood Bold subscription? No problemo. You can still help. Just post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Oh my God, post two. Post them all. Tweet something nice about this. Tell your friends. Tell them how Here in LA is spelled, and it's on Apple Podcasts and Google, and even Spotify. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who knew the Carol Burnett show wasn't live. Come on! Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Oregon and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and realtors everywhere like Miles, who just want to deal with cool buyers and sellers. William, William Hum, 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 H